0: Hi, I'm Abby Mercado, co-founder and CEO of Rescripted, former VC investor and ever entrepreneur, fierce advocate for women and mom of IVF twins. Welcome to Women's Health Mavericks, a podcast dedicated to shining a light on the people who are moving the needle when it comes to women's health and wellness. From inspiring entrepreneurs and innovators to leaders of big brands defining culture, to movers and shakers of biosciences companies dedicated to treating women, we'll introduce you to the people, the ideas, and the businesses that are changing the face of women's health in America and across the globe. With these changemakers on our side, the future of women's health is bright. Now, let's get into it.
1: Good morning, Women's Health Mavericks listeners. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Amber Coleman-Mortley. The senior director of community and culture at the Female Quotient. Amber has spent her career in roles that have centered around equality, equity, community building, and civic engagement. The Female Quotient works with companies and leaders to curate experiences, thought leadership, and solutions designed to achieve gender equality in the workplace. Women make up to 10% of senior leaders in the American workforce. If women aren't at the top, how can we be so sure that we're getting the health considerations and benefits we need to thrive as women in the workplace? I wanted to chat with Amber to dig into why it's so important for more women to be at the top, not just because of what we bring to the table as empathetic, creative, and resilient leaders, but also because it's better for all of our health and wellness. I am so excited to welcome Amber Coleman-Mortley, the Senior Director of Community and Culture at the Female Ocean. Welcome, Amber. Thanks so much for joining
2: me today. Oh my God, Abby, I'm so excited for this. You're already a vibe, so this is going to be wonderful.
1: Well, you're already a vibe. I told you. I love this woman's vibe. I'm so excited to sit down with her today. So Amber, tell us just all about you. Who are you? And then tell us a little bit about the XQ, the female quotient.
2: Yeah, cool. I will give you the quick version. So I'm Amber. I would say that the through line of my life is equality or equity. The question that I'm asking across all career journeys is who's not here and how can we get them here? I'm a former PE and health teacher. I spent about a decade doing that. I spent about a decade working in civic education, civic ed policy, influencer networks of teachers there, building out a youth fellowship there and empowering and mobilizing students to think about their civic learning experiences more deeply. And now I'm at the Female Quotient, a uh, leading community and culture here. And literally, it's just how do we make sure that the space is ripe for more women in it and keeping them there? So a little bit about the FQ. We are an equality solutions organization. We create What I call containers of respite or these pop-up experiences at large industry events. Think Davos, South by Southwest, Can Lions, Ad Week. We were just at the G20 and we bring to these spaces amazing conversations, amazing experiences. And it's just the spot to be to network. The world's leaders are always in this space. So this is just a great space to find someone or meet someone if you're at an event. And we also then provide what I like to call viral social media content as well. So our social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, we have nearly two million followers across all of our channels. And then we do virtual programming. So wonderful holiday events like Black History Month. We'll have a Black History Month program, Hispanic Heritage Month, Hispanic Heritage Month programming. And then I host and produce our LinkedIn live show, Power of the Pack, where we bring groups of folks together to have timely, culturally conscious and real conversations on Tuesdays. So that's kind of a little bit quick overview of the FQ. You know, we also partner on research and all kinds of other really cool things as well,
1: but we are all about bringing equality to the workplace. I love it. Well, so I want to go a little bit further back to Amber, and I want to talk a little bit about you and how you're a former re sports collegiate athlete. Yeah, I would love I to know. like, first of all, <laughs> how impressive. I've just went for a two mile walk this morning and I feel winded and that's just, that's another issue I need to work through, but would love to hear about that. And there's a lot of folks in the rescripted community that are, I think anybody who is a former athlete, you don't consider it former, right? It's like right. you're an athlete. You're always an athlete. And we break down women's health issues for former and current athletes and as an athlete, you're so in touch with your body and that lasts throughout your life, right? Like we're always in touch with our bodies, but like as an athlete, that is so important. You know, that's a lot of fun. How, you know, a lot of women make money, you know, as yes. a professional athlete. So anyway, we'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about your athletic career and how it perhaps also is a blue line in your career and in your life. Yeah. So, you know, I was a three-sport varsity athlete. I went to Oberlin
2: College, which is a small division three school. However, sports at any division is a commitment. Was all conference eight of 11 of the seasons that I participated collegiately. And I have an NCAA appearance, which is pretty cool going to NCAAs. I just want to like people put their bodies through all kinds of things. And, you know, if you were, you're like, I was winded walking that two mile, listen, sis, like (laughs) if you asked me to run a two mile today, I would look at you crazy. Right. (laughs) Um, But, (laughs) but I think For me, being aware of how my body is feeling has been something that has always been present in my life. And then knowing like when something's not quite right, even when other people are like, you're fine, you're okay, you seem fine. Being attuned to the rhythms of my body has always been a thing for me. Being in tune with my emotional well-being, my mental state, and how that impacts my physical health has Mm -hmm. always been a thing for me. I would also say like, you know, just because you were an athlete doesn't mean that you were healthy or that you're health conscious, because in many ways, there are a lot of things that athletes have to do that may not be the best for being healthy later on in life. Right. Right. I do want to bring that up and make sure that that is very clear. And as we support athletes and we support young athletes to adult and professional athletes, that we're always being mindful of the ways in which they're treating their bodies, that we're pushing their bodies and that we're teaching them to advocate for themselves. I'm fortunate nothing has ever happened to me, but just seeing how others have experienced their athleticism and their athletic careers, playing through injuries and things like that, I often am like, Hmm, you know, how do we make wellness the forefront of every single experience, whether it's athletic experiences to going to the grocery store to being in a corporate space? One more thing I'd say about just being an athlete is it was a amazing honor. I would say when I played those three sports, I said to myself, you're only going to have this physical fitness and ability for this amount of time yeah. in your life. And you're only going to be able to compete collegiately for this small window. So you might as well go all in. Now, my grades did not suffer. right? I still got great grades and I made sure that I could be employed afterwards. But I really wanted to make the most out of that experience and get yeah. every possible drop and ounce of myself that I could. That's
1: an amazing reflection as I think about who started doing this thing in my family, like going around the dinner, table after I say grace and saying, okay, what are we grateful for? And mm. that's absolutely something to be grateful for that we don't often stop and say, wow, I'm just like grateful for movement. I'm grateful yes. for my body and the fact that it can move in the way that it can move right now. Because biologically, it won't always. So that's a great reminder. Thanks for sharing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then so you have a master's in media entrepreneurship. So teach me. You're like, <laughs> I'm a media entrepreneur. What do I need to know, Amber? What you, know, are, what you need to know is the you know,
2: landscape is always changing. Yeah. And once you think you've mastered something as far as media, as far as entrepreneurship is concerned, you're behind the curve. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, like that's one thing. Technology is so fast and we aren't quite always ready to regulate it, which is exciting. Right now, folks are leaning into artificial intelligence and how that can make life more efficient. The one thing that I love for you and everyone listening to remember is that media, it's all about people. What do people like to listen to or to watch or to experience? And so with media entrepreneurship, you're bringing like, what is my angle to making people feel X, Y, Z? And how do I continue to evolve that practice? How do I continue to best myself? How do I continue to innovate using the tools that are out there? How can I use the tools that are available to me in a way that no one has ever thought of before? That to me is what is at the core of media entrepreneurship. As an example, my podcast—that's yes, pause, right. I was just like, gonna
1: go there. And tell, <laughs> yeah, so you're a media entrepreneur
2: on the side. Yes. So for me, it was like. Okay, people have a podcast. Do they podcast with their children? Mm -hmm. You know? No, they don't. So during the pandemic, I was like, we need something to do. My kids and I are going to podcast together. They're going to learn these skills. We're going to like just wing it and see how it goes. And it was amazing. It's on pause right now because they're teenagers and I want to respect them. And they're fair enough, you know, fair Fair enough. enough. I get it. But, But like you could use a medium that already exists in a different way. And that is what media entrepreneurship is all about.
1: I yeah. love that. Well, yeah. so we're talking about how people consume. So kind of always like to dive into, I mean, we've already broken the ice. So this is no longer an icebreaker. But what are some of the things that you're consuming right now that you really like just as a consumer? What are you watching, reading, et cetera? As far as
2: watching, I watch tons of Black YouTubers and it's with my kids. So like who they are. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They're like, mom, you got to watch this. I would say like Corey Kenshin pops up uh-huh. a ton. There's a whole bunch of others, like Princess awesome. Weeks and others. But as far as reading, I love audiobooks just because I travel a lot. And mm-hmm. so I just finished Essential Labor by Angela Garbs. And I hope I'm saying her last name properly. Talks about motherhood yeah. in a way that I have always, as a Black mom, have thought about motherhood as a revolutionary act of love. And so, mm-hmm. you know, she's not a Black mom. She's a mom of color, but she's still talking about it in that way, cultish, by Amanda Montel. Another really just great book about the ways in which people come together around ideas, experiences, businesses, and even religions. I just mm-hmm. love the psychology of what brings people together and it um. coerces them into doing what we want to do, whether that's <laughs> marketing or whatever. And then Mick Mindfulness by Ronald E. Purser. That's another book I'm currently audio listening to. Just really great for grounding yourself and figuring out like as I'm consuming mindfulness yoga what am I doing it for right, right. like yeah. you what's know, the why like, what, is, what yeah. is the why what is the purpose yeah. behind it yeah so and then listening to obviously with my kids I'm listening to I Spice Janelle Monet. and then there's always a lo-fi playlist going on in the background when oh, I'm working
1: yeah, yeah. oh we're emailing a little bit about that beforehand and I was like, all right, like this is going to be my Monday afternoon because it is a Monday, gang, and I yes, need something to keep me going. Besides that two-mile walk, that was pretty pathetic. So <laughs>
2: it was not. Listen, you got out there
1: and you did there. something you're right. amazing for yourself. Right. So Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. I feel better. Thank you. Also, you know, today, obviously, we're talking about health and wellness. I love that what the FQ does is you're really all about getting women to the top and really kind of helping them with what they need. And one of those things is to help support better workplace policies for health and wellness. So let's go back to you. Obviously you have this role that is just instrumental in the FQ strategy. So tell us about kind of your epiphany epith- 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 and how you decided that you wanted to support women's health and wellness during your career. For
2: me, this epiphany is just living as a Black woman in the United States, because that's where I'm positioned. Women's health and wellness can only be achieved through an intersectional approach to care, community, and data collection. Mm -hmm. And I want to be very clear about data collection because data, right now as it exists, it's a whole bunch out there. And what we choose to use is what drives the narrative around what's the problem and how we get towards a solution. If we're collecting the wrong data, we have the wrong, what's the problem, and we'll never get to the proper solution. When we infuse communities as part of the data collection process, not just taking from them and then making it for them, but really bring them into the folds, which is something that the FQ does really, really well when we do our research projects, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing people in and asking them these questions that Maybe they've never been asked before. So for me, this epiphany is like, hey, (laughs) we really need to push the needle on nuance and push the needle on what we deem as innovation in the health and wellness space and really say, is this community driven? Is this centered around the care of all people, cis, trans, whatever identity they have and is what we're asking? Are we asking the right questions to create the solutions
1: that they need? Right. It's got to be collaborative. Like you can't say, I mean, that's like everything that's gone in healthcare right now. It's like, this is what's wrong with you. And this is how I'm going to fix it. And we know that a health and wellness journey is not linear. It is not all about Western medicine. It is not about going to see the doctor who's a 75-year-old white male. It's a lot of what's going on in your kind of daily practices and habits. So that's awesome. So there's one thing that you you noted to me over email that I just wanted to dig into a little bit. So obviously your work at the FQ is about building more inclusive corporate spaces. And you said something about mental health and wellness and how mm-hmm. physical enabling, like putting policies in place that support Women, as it relates to their health and wellness, actually attracts back to mental health and wellness. This is something that is so important for us, every scripted right now. And it's something that we're just now starting to dig into. And it sounds like you're ahead of the curve here. So, tell us about kind of the connection that you're seeing between women at the helm, just relating to their physical health and their mental
2: health. I'm always thinking about is the space ripe for growth, success? You know, the space that you're in has a huge impact. On what you experience, which then has a huge impact on how you feel about yourself, which then has a huge impact on how you actually feel. So Mm -hmm. I had to take it that way, right? When we think about like mental health and wellness, we're thinking about how do we create these spaces, policies, whatever, where once we put a woman in a leadership position, she can thrive there. She's not just surviving, Mm -hmm. she is able to thrive and succeed, which then leads to her feeling great about herself and support it. I think a lot of corporate spaces, they're trying to do the work, but there are a lot of folks, especially women and women with marginalized experiences and even individuals with marginalized experiences who the space is not, the best way for me to put it, it's like acidic. So they're allergic to the space that they're in. The work hasn't been done to curate and cultivate the space for the people who are already there to say, hey, We're going to do something a little different. We're bringing some more people in. It might feel a little awkward for you. Let's talk about it. We bring the new people into the space. We're mentoring them and sponsoring them while they're in that space. And then while they're in that space, they're working with their peers and those who report to them so that everyone feels well, safe. If there's no psychological safety in the workplace, there's no mental health (laughs) and wellness, which then leads to being physically unwell. So from our standpoint at the FQ and how that relates to mental health and your physical wellness, it's like we need to make sure that it's not just like you can have unlimited PTO or you have this great insurance. It's what are we doing to support each other so that the community, the community care Right. You might not think you're engaged in community care, but when you're in a space with your coworkers, you are engaged in community care. You are. Your
0: right? employers
1: are, ca- I like, mean, it, you're supported. Right. It's employer based healthcare. Like, it, right. But like, right. case in point, <laughs> like if it wasn't, like maybe we'd feel a little bit different. But the fact is, in America, it is. So we're working with what we have. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you brought up the notion of psychological safety. I talk about that a lot with my coach. Just what is psychological safety? Why does it matter? Why is it important for leaders to create it and hone it and make sure it is healthy and well? And if you're a leader, specifically a female leader, how do you kind of embody this within your organization such that it is positively affecting the health and wellness of your employees and specifically your female employees?
2: So psychological safety, first of all, we're going to have a power of the pack conversation. <laughs> Love, <laughs> Love it. On I'll the be 19th, there. <laughs> so I'm so excited. Please come. It's going to be awesome. But psychological safety at the root, it's providing a space for an individual to be able to take risks and feel safe enough to take risks, feel safe enough to speak out, feel safe enough to bring enough of themselves to the workplace to feel as if they're not being diminished. So that would be my overview of what psychological safety is. Now, embodying psychological safety for leadership requires an individual to actually have social emotional learning skills. Yeah, <laughs> You need to be able to read the room, you need to be able to provide feedback in a way that People can receive that. You need to provide a space where if there are complaints, you address them immediately. If there's conflict and issues, you're adept to do that, or at least capable of bringing individuals in to solve those conflicts. You're essentially creating norms where every person under your leadership matters and that they feel as if they matter, and that other people under your leadership understand that everyone matters. So it's one thing to say everyone here matters. It's another thing for everyone in the room to embody and understand and agree that everyone matters. That is a psychologically safe workspace. I think a lot of women bring that because of whatever marginalized experiences they may have had or hurdles that they've had to overcome to become leaders in their space and in their industry. There are some who've set that aside. And so I think we don't want to assume that women are better at creating psychologically safe spaces. But we do want to lean into some of the what people call soft skills that Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. in leadership positions have been said to bring to their leadership style.
1: So... It's like drawing conclusions here. So in order to have true psychological safety in the workplace, you have to have equity and equality and women make up 50% of the workforce. And if that's not represented in corporations and organizations, one would argue that there's not enough psychological safety in the workplace, which then affects the mental health of people, which then affects the physical health of people. Like, it's just, it's unending. So give us some thoughts about Females in the workforce and females in leadership position right now and there.
2: I did my research for the healthcare space, so I hope that this is okay. But there's 32% of women in leadership positions in healthcare, which is amazing, right? That's awesome, it's yeah. not enough. They're outpacing other industries. 75% of entry-level workers in the healthcare and wellness space are women. 66% of managers and 58% of senior managers or directors are women. One thing i would say that we need to work on is only 4% of C-suite health care executives are women of color. So there's a lot of work. And I found these stats on the, you know, Women in the Workplace 2022 report with McKinsey and Lean yeah. In. There's a lot of work that needs to be done because if we're talking about 75% of entry level workers, but only 32% of leadership, and then out of that, only 4% of women of color, we really need to think like, yay, let's celebrate that this space has more women in it. However, we want more women reading. We want more women taking the helm and like guiding the direction and the future and the innovation of the health and wellness space. More, 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 more. Because 32% is not a good, you know, 75 to 32. Wow, there's a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. And what happens, right? Like, I think the conversation that we have at the FQ is what happens from entry-level to manager to senior manager to leadership. I can tell you.
1: Right? I Listen. think we all know.
2: <laughs> right? Tell us, you know, We got the motherhood penalty. Yes. You know, yes. we have women who are caught in middle management. We also just have to like overcome the biases of what is possible, like when a woman is leading an organization. Right? I think that there yeah. are still hurdles to overcome when it comes to a woman CEO, which is of a global corporation, which it's 2023. And so I think the work we do at the FQ, whether it's in the healthcare space or any industry, we're really thinking about and challenging industries to create these pipelines that reinforce a way through for these women. Think yeah. Rethinking also like what again, are the supports that need to be in place. Not all women have children, but childcare is a huge issue for many, many women who aspire to be leaders. So yeah. thinking about that.
1: Yeah, it's insane. It's like, I, 4 old twins, and I have spent... You're doing the Lord's work. i doing the Lord's work. But I spent so much more, I think I spent REACTS more on taking care of them in their first two years of life than I do now. There in our, we have a universal pre-K program in the state of Colorado, which is you know, We have after school care, but it's mind boggling. And those, in those first couple of years, yes, babies will work in court. I get it, but it's just really, really difficult to be able to work together. Like straight up, it just is. There is absolutely no way around it. And I think a lot of women are still today. I think we've made a lot of progress in the past few years, but. There is so much anxiety around that pregnancy and postpartum period, and it is just so detrimental. If women aren't healthy mentally, then nobody's healthy. I think mentally. that
2: that was That, at goal. <laughs> that and, was at the core. So yeah. again, I keep going back to our LinkedIn Power of the Pack conversations, but yeah. we had one on improving pregnancy policies and pregnancy experiences in the workplace. And you're yeah. absolutely right. That's zero to five time period, and yes, we have federal laws now that are doing better at protecting pregnant people and ensuring that they have the safety support that they need, but it's still not enough. And you're absolutely right that no matter what level, whether it's at the executive level, all the way to the entry level, women or individuals who get pregnant are still experiencing that anxiety of, okay, my job
1: and my family. right? And so how do we work through that? Totally. Right. And it's women at the prime of their careers. It's like, yeah. you're in your 30s, you have so much energy, you're ready to go. You're finally at a place in your career where you're like, LFG, like, let's do this. And then to achieve your dreams of building a family. And then but to also have this dream of building a badass career for yourself. And to have those mm-hmm. two things collide and not be able to coincide with one another is really something that we have to fix. <laughs> and I'm, and so I think that the cool thing about the FQ is there's no like access issue with the Mm -hmm. FQ. Like anybody can consume the FQ content. To us people. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's true. So there's no membership fee. Like it's accessible. It's not some club you can't be a part of. If you want to be educated, you want to feel like you have community. Hit these guys up. So... Yes, come um, to us. Come yes. To us. Well, so to dive into a little bit more of like the physical health. So I know that you have some passions around the reproductive health conversation and how imbalanced it is. So I guess tell us a little bit more about some of these like ridiculous, quote unquote, inequities that you see and also how you feel about them.
2: Listen, I'm thinking about this as my life as a former health Teacher who taught fifth and sixth grade health. So, as you Mm -hmm. imagine, I did teach with the school nurse, you know, human sexuality. And I literally am obsessed with the way that the reproductive health conversation is. It is quite imbalanced from my perspective. We approach male reproductive health from a Vantage point of pleasure and sustainability and longevity, where we approach women's reproductive health through the lens of choice, which is an absolutely necessary (laughs) angle to look at it. But that's not the only angle. So we're having, in my opinion, women carry a lot of the contraception conversation when we really need to be thinking like, what about women's pleasure? What about male contraception? Can we figure out (laughs) yeah can we balance this equation out a little bit right yeah you know it can't just be one side gets to have all of the fun conversations and the other side gets all the responsibility conversation And so that to me is the ridiculous inequality
1: yeah absolutely there's these like two components it's really simple how do you make these like two really important components about having sex like how do you make that balance straight up it's that simple so I mean, there's some amazing startups in this space. There's some amazing pharmaceutical companies doing some great work in the the male contraceptive space, but it's like, we need more funding. We need more funding. We need more people talking about this for sure. I'm cheering for them on the sideline. I'm like, you can do this. Yes. (laughs) So as somebody who is very, I mean, you are an expert in civic engagement and raising up voices that are marginalized. So tell us, like, how can we make conversations about women's health and wellness just bigger and better? Yeah. Expanding the table
2: or even questioning should even be a table that we're all sitting around. That would be the first. But like, obviously, you know, we want to elevate the voices and perspectives. And this is from the standpoint of the FQ, like of women, and especially those with marginalized experiences. Begin this conversation earlier. So this is an Amber point. I really, truly believe that parents can be a part of this when mobilized properly. Mm -hmm. We see when parents are not mobilized properly and that does a lot of harm. So there's power in mobilizing parents, Mm -hmm. giving them the tools and resources they need to have open conversations with their kids about health and wellness. Start early. And this is a woman who literally thought like she did, which is amazing. (laughs) Like, seriously, it's not weird. Literally from the moment my kids could really understand, we began to have age-appropriate conversations about yeah. wellness and health and even reproductive health. Encourage more men to seek wellness and mental health support while in relationship with other men. I think we tell a lot of people, go to counseling, go to counseling. It's going to be great. That is, yes, go to counseling, right? <laughs> and also if you need meds, yes, yeah. right? Right. But I think that community healing and hearing, hey, you're a dude in isolation and this other dude is also in isolation and that dude is too, how about you all share your feelings in a group therapy section? I yeah. think that would be helpful. <laughs> or like in your video game chat, like I don't awesome. care where. just like think about you know? it. <laughs> like, dude, did you get outside? Yeah. Get some vitamin D today? Yeah, yeah the awesome. Time. Me too, right? Like, you know, yeah. like men's wellness accountability partners. I want someone yeah. to make an app for that. Yeah. Like I would support that. And then the last thing that I would say is just we think of life in these binaries, but we need to destigmatize Conversations around gender, sexual health, and pleasure. Can we please break those barriers down so that we can have some real meaningful conversations about the future of life as a human on earth? So,
1: yeah, yeah. Love that. Bigger, think bigger. Well, so as we're closing up our podcast, so, you know, I'm going to ask you to pick favorites, but what's one thing that you would want rescripted about women's health and wellness?
2: Let's empower patients let's make sure that patients feel as if they're a part of their journey, making sure that they're heard. I think a lot of women are gaslit into believing that health issues are either all in their head or that nothing's really wrong with them. Or I don't know how many times I've been asked, is it related to your menstrual cycle? And it's like, (laughs) is it? I don't know. I think Putting people at the center of the care and yeah. making them feel as if they're a partner in the care is something I love for us for to script.
1: Yeah. yeah, amazing. Well, so Amber, where can people find you if they want to talk to you and get some more of your wisdom? And where can people learn a little bit more about the FQ and you know potentially check out some of those LinkedIn events that are amazing? So find me on
2: LinkedIn. I'm just Amber Coleman Mortley. My DMs are always open. So yay to that. My other social media channels are on pause because my podcast is. But I would definitely say follow the female quotient on Instagram, on LinkedIn specifically. And um, we're also on X. Former Twitter, Twitter. Um,
1: <laughs> like, wow. what is that? Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, there was a point in my life that I was a Twitter influencer, and now I'm just like, I don't know what I am. Anymore. I don't know what to. Yeah, I don't
1: know what to <laughs> do <know>? anymore.
2: <laughs> but I would say, you know, like follow the female question, Check out our live events. So if you are going to South by Southwest or Ad Week, or if you end up at Cannes Lions or Davos or whatever, come hang out with us in the Equality Lounge. We'd love to love have that. you. Sign up for our newsletter and join me at Power of the Pack on LinkedIn Live on Tuesdays.
1: Love, to have it.
2: So yeah, that's it.
1: That is it. Well, Amber, it has just been such a joy having you on the podcast today. I really just loved getting to know you. You're so inspiring and thank you for imparting your wisdom on the rescripted community today. And I'm sure we'll talk soon.
2: Yes, Abby, equality is everybody's business. Pleasure talking to
0: you too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If this podcast means something to you, be sure to hit follow or subscribe. This helps you because you'll never miss an episode. And it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. It's wild enough to be a woman without taking on the wild west of women's health information. The good news is that Rescripted did the legwork on your body so you don't have to. And we're here when you're ready to be an expert in you. Head to Rescripted.com and follow us at HelloRescripted on Instagram and TikTok.